My hope is that we do both. We bank on the fact that the OEMs are going to get it figured out. We're going to start getting more inventory as we go through the next year or two. And at the same time, you start focusing on where you can trim expenses and where you can get a point or two of margin by Tony's uh, comment of meet me halfway. We're going to do our best to get new thinking out there. There's going to be discussions centered around growth and new thinking. That's where those great ideas come from, exploring them together. Nuggets that you can go back and put into your dealership that'll help you make more money. This is GarageCast. Welcome to Garage Cast episode number 80. This is Tony Gonzalez coming to you from Steamboat Springs, Colorado. I hope everybody's summer is going well. Sam, I know that your summer just got freaking awesome. <laughs> uh, the adventure van is in the house. The adventure van is upstairs, Tony. I'm pretty pumped up right now. Um, I got to tell you, flying out of California, spent a couple days with my brother, got to go on a ride while I was out there. Put the yeah. bicycle in the back of the van, picked it up from Al Van. Shout out to Al Vans out of California. They did great work accessorizing that bad boy. Uh, and then it dawned on me that because the van went straight from Winnebago to Al Vans for them to do the accessory work, I never got the walk around of the vehicle. Tony, do you think there maybe be anything important on the vehicle that would require a walk around for somebody like me? Oh, yeah. Just a few things uh, for a vehicle that costs as much as a normal mortgage. Yes. <laughs> that's probably something that would be important. Let me tell you what I don't know about this van. How to do yeah. the AC unit, how to fill the water tanks, how to use the sink, how to use the solar panels. Uh, I learned all about DEF, um, diesel exhaust fluid. Yeah. That was a good time when I go to pick the van up and the guy's like, oh, make sure to check the DEF as you go across the country with this. What are you talking about? It's like there's a whole other gas tank that merges with your gas to to be emissions compliant again same question what are you talking about dude <laughs> so what do i do i call you and i call schoolie i'm like the hell's deaf <laughs> you two diesel guys that shame me into figuring that out so um long story short stopped in um salt lake city and did some work with some of our clients out there out of salt lake city croft marine great to see those guys and came on home so great road trip very excited to get my daughter to read the manual so that I can then learn how to operate this giant van that's in the garage. Super pumped for you. Super pumped er ist for when I purchase a clean van used twice from one owner. It's going to be five awesome years. in about a that's year. The, that's the over under five years. Well, okay, wanna... gang, you heard it. Five years. There has to be some form of a bet coming out of this. Uh, <laughs> five years. I give it two tops, but hey, you could prove me wrong and completely throw everything up on its head, but that is super cool. Uh, the van is amazing, guys. If you go look at the uh, uh, Winnebago Revel, you know, on a Mercedes chassis, uh, you know, Sam FaceTime me and show me some pictures of things when he picked it up. Good God. I mean, the, the, the crap they're coming up with nowadays, it's just, it's amazing. <laughs> Pretty trick, man. We're going to get some GC logos on the side, take it up and do some yeah. dirt biking and ATV and all kinds of good stuff. So they'll see it on social before too long here. Yeah. Uh, okay. Hey man, let's, let's get into one thing here before, before we get into our, our show and everybody out there listening, episode 80 is a show on absorption and Sam and I got something to say, man, after we've been talking about this number for about the past year as such an important topic. But before we get there, 
we want to hit you up with a, a little bit of uh, uh, some pre ideas of a podcast that we're planning for about the end of August. And that is, um, we've had several people reach out to us and say, Hey man, you know, it'd be cool if you guys did some, took some questions, right. And, and answer them on the spot and kind of engage with the people that listen to your podcast. Well, you know, I've searched high and low for the software, which is amazing because again, as you know, dude, you and I have done a podcast. You're sitting in Littleton, which is 200 miles away from steamboat and prime example, David Archbold. Yeah. He, he was in Vietnam and we all sound for the most part, like we're in the same room. So the software is amazing, but I cannot figure out how to make it in some way, shape or form, a call in number, right? Where it'll come right to us. We pick a number and, and, and then we can take your call. So in lieu of that, Sam and I had this idea that here's what we're going to do for the next few weeks. Let's, let's make it a three week initiative and we're going to get our marketing gal out there to uh, put this on our social media pages, Facebook and Instagram, and I'll, I'll put some of it on LinkedIn. But for the next three weeks, we are going to field your questions. Now, what kind of questions could those be, Sam? Uh, well, you know, are you a vegetarian? Do you prefer steak? And if so, is it medium or medium well? Things like that. Like, I like yeah. that. Those are good ones. I'll answer those all day. <laughs> you know, it, mostly it's, it's stuff that comes out of the composite and something we're touching on today, right? So absorption would be one of them. Or what's my margin or what's my uh, payroll as a percentage of sales coming out of the pro shop for the marine dealers out there? Yeah. Specific pieces of the composite that always come up during our composite reviews, but we're just like... You know, why don't we tackle those as a topic on the podcast? And Tony, that really opens up the spectrum to conversations that you and I have had about what does the format of the podcast ultimately look like as we continue yep. to roll forward. We we started this thing off, as we've said many times, not really knowing where it was going. COVID hit and we decided to uh, gather as much information as we could and spit it back out to you guys while COVID was there. And We've certainly had our fair share of CEOs and presidents of companies that we've interviewed and along with uh, rock stars, lead singers, uh, Harley aficionados along the way. And I think we're looking for the right blend of how much content and training mm -hmm. we need to put forth, uh, as well as interviewing some of these very smart people that we have. So this is this is one of those ways that we're going to test the waters and see what happens with you guys submitting questions to us. Tony, where do they submit that question to? Info at garagecomposites.com. Don't put it on our social media page. Don't email it to Sam or myself directly. Info at garagecomposites.com. We're going to compile those. No question. Remember, Sam, there are no dumb questions. There's just yeah. dumb people that ask questions, right? Yeah, there's so, a lot no, of those people. Yes. Right? No dumb questions. But seriously, you know, what should we be charging for doc fee? What do you see people out there doing? Where do you see the industries going? Any question that you want to throw at us, uh, you know, we may or may not answer it, but we'll we'll try our hardest to get that in there and if that's one episode we'll do one if we have six episodes that we can shoot off of questions we'll do six um so info at garagecomposites.com yeah I, I tell you i think that will really guide the previous question which was kind of the format moving forward and what do you guys want to see on the podcast because your question may be um you know what what's the future of the semiconductor business and therefore our inventory supply and you know what we're going to get somebody on here who can speak to some under semiconductors so Based off of your questions, we may or may not pull on uh, someone far more educated than the Sam and Tony show. How about that? Yeah. And, you know, in, in, the, in the spirit of what you just said, listen, if there's somebody out there in any industry that is interesting to talk to, that is a good listen, that's super smart, that's a visionary, or that, man, I just want to hear what they have to say... They don't have to be in these industries. Info at garagecomposites.com. Let us know. 
and I want to assure you guys, uh, I don't want you guys to think that we're losing content. We're not. I mean, we got we got so many things left to talk about. We just want more input from the people that are faithful listeners every single week. And we get a ton of positive feedback. Um, don't send us uh, your negative feedback. <laughs> send that to a different email address. Hey. Something that doesn't end at garagecomposites.com. How about the accolades we got on our Bob Key podcast? You got to love Bob Key with a 17-minute intro. Yep. In his rocking chair with a pipe, just sitting there <laughs> four scores and seven years ago. And here comes the story. So his his episode shot off the page. So it's always good to see people listen to Bob because he's a great guy. So Tony, um, yeah, I, l- let's just jo- jump right into this thing. I, I If I go back to college days at Florida State University, there was a there was a bar there called the first and the first had something called bladder bus and bladder bus was they kept serving cocktails until the first person went to the bathroom. And then all of a sudden you had to pay for those cocktails. Uh, I, I know what absorption means to me. I used to wear a diaper to that event. But what exactly is absorption <laughs> as we roll into this podcast? There we go. That is exactly what Dantzler did during college is wearing diapers, going to bars. <laughs> I can only imagine if you got so drunk that you forgot to take the diaper off and got lucky enough with a lady to to uh, to, to have to explain that later. No, on. I had uh, tights <laughs> and the sequin belt over the top of the diaper. So it was a spectacle for sure. It's a smart man that got that joke out of the way so nobody else could say that. So bada boom, bada bing. Uh, let's talk about absorption. So this is a topic that many people listening to this podcast, this will be near and dear to you. Some of you may have an idea of what absorption is. And then some of you are like, absorption, what are you talking about? So absorption has to do with the ability of your fixed operations. So in the motorcycle industry, that's the parts and accessories department and the service department combined. In the Harley world, that's motor clothes, parts and accessories, and the service department. In the marine industry, that is the pro shop, the marina, the parts department, and the service department. Okay, So it's the ability for your fixed operations under the roof to cover your administrative costs of the dealership. Now, Sam, we're going to get into explaining what the administrative costs are versus department expenses and whatnot. But... Uh, that, that's going to come a little bit later, but stick with us because we want to make sure everybody fully understands what we're talking about, because we believe if you follow us by the end of this podcast, your guys are going to be like, oh, man, I got I got to get going. Well, and I'll tell you what, you know, that's a very textbook definition. And yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people like, why do I care about that number? But this is a this is a statistic or a data point that came out of the automotive industry years ago. And um, the idea is that if we can cover the fixed expenses with uh, the parts and service departments, then everything we make in the unit sales department, or as we're going to call it on this podcast, we're just going to call it the sales department. But hear what we mean, because we think there's there's the parts and accessories sales department, there's the service sales department. For the purpose of this podcast, we're just going to call the sales department the unit sales department. And back yeah. to my point, it's so that 100% of everything we make in the sales department, the unit sales department, flows to the bottom line. And if you're sitting there going, why, why would I care about that? Well, I want you to think about what would happen if the faucet got turned off with major units from the OEM for whatever reason, then your absorption number is the amount of, you know, it'll dictate how long you can keep those doors open and stay profitable if you're at 100% or nearing 100%. Let me, let me, let me cut in here. Th- that's just not a real realistic statement that major unit sales going away. What, what do you, how could that yeah. possibly ever happen? Can you imagine if we were ever in a position, Tony, where people were saying, I just can't get enough major units from the OEMs? I just, yeah, I, I don't even know what that landscape looks like. We're waiting on parts. We're waiting on shirts. We're waiting on <laughs> motorcycles. Exactly. We're here. So, yes, 
it's crazy because that's the first thing I thought of when I learned that, you know, 2000 from Ed Lemko, what that number was. I'm like, what? Come on. You think the OEM's going to stop sending us product? And it's not through their choice right now that they're stopping sending you product. But the whole semiconductor supply chain issue, which we touched on a million times in this podcast, has put us in a very precarious position, right? I mean, yep. it's like, what are we going to do if that continues to slow down? Now, hopefully it rebounds. We get back to some normal industry standards as far as inventory goes by 2022, 2023 at the latest, according to some OEM. So maybe we can weather the storm. But wouldn't it be nice if we were banging on all cylinders in the other departments just in case? So we gave you a textbook definition of what absorption is. Sam kind of gave you a visual of what it is. Sam, hit me with the with the national norms from the demographics we play in. So Sam's going to give us the number of where we are currently sitting, and then we're going to go dive deeper into where you want that number to be. Yeah, and this this is really interesting, Tony, because as we look at Marine, Harley, and Metric, all of them are very close to each other as an average across the country. I was I was surprised to see that. Um, we're sitting at 62.9% in metric, right? So so 62.9% of everything you're making. Well, I'm going to let you explain that a little bit. Deeper, yeah, yeah. 64.4 on the Harley side and 64.4 on the Marine side. So we're really in that 63 to 64 with every brand that we touch and every, all the models we carry, Tony. So... So, which Sam and I, before the podcast started, we, we, we sat and, and we debated this. Like, why is that? Is it, is it that one, one reason is we all suck at fixed operations. Wait, wait, hang, hang on, hang on, Tony. Is yeah. it, are you saying, why is it that high or why, no, is why, it- why are we all so close? Yeah. Like why, why is it that, that both, and, and again, we're want based, we get that. So, so we should be a little bit close and have some semblance of each other. But I mean, we're talking within percentage points of each other the sales department kicks off 62 63 64 percent of the net profitability out of the department right so so we're going to get into that but that's just crazy to me is it that we're all that bad or is it just that that's how the numbers always are going to pan out i don't know what do you think i don't know i i find it interesting that they're all right there together because you and i both know several dealers that are north of 100 percent. and just for clarification at 100 percent, everything you make in the unit sales department goes straight to the bottom line so the, the closer that number or above that number that's where we want to be playing the game and we're all sitting here it's kind of like saying tony i'm going to ace this test dude i'm going to crush it and you got a 64 which wasn't that bad in my day, but come on, man. 90? Can we get to 90? Exactly. So all of the demographics that we're talking about, Metric, Harley-Davidson, Marine, they're all sitting sub 70%. Now, our benchmark is 70% on our composite. We are saying that you are sitting in pretty good rare air when you hit 70%. That means 70% of your administrative costs, things like your mortgage, things like your healthcare, things like your garage keepers, that is all covered by the fixed operations of your dealership, which still will tell us that 30% has to cover the rest, okay? From from major unit sales. So 70 is our benchmark. That is not a moving target, Sam. That is one that we actually, right. you and I have determined that that's a number that we think, and again, if you look, 62, 63, 64%, we're, we're still giving dealerships a number to aspire to. But to your point, we have a, a large handful of dealers that are north of 100%. So why is 100% the best and anything north of 100 exceptional? Uh, it, it stands to reason that if most of the dollars in our dealership come from the sales department, if all that pours to the bottom line of the dealership, that is like a force multiplier. That means your fixed operations is taking care of most of the major expenses of your dealership, which is 
God, that's a, that's a good day. Yeah, that's a good day for sure. And and for comparison, if you're wondering what it was last year, it was almost ten points lower, almost identically in the mid fifties for each category. 10 points lower. So good job. We're, we're 10 points higher, but we're 10 points higher in a time when, you know, if you listen to the last several podcasts about the attention that isn't being paid to the parts and accessories department, as far as selling in those departments, as far as not paying off of line items particular or um, dollars per transaction, P and a per RO things along those lines. And we'll get a little further into that, Tony, but um, at the point where we're 10 points higher with all of the revenue coming in, we should be able to cover some of these costs when, when unit sales are up as much as they are. I had this idea based off of what you just said that we're 10 points higher this year. And I'm going to ask you a question I, because I'm, I'm skeptical. I know that's going to surprise you. Mm. I'm skeptical, but are we 10 points higher because we let some of our staff go, you know, COVID we let some of that back end administrative staff go, you know, your office staff, mm. you know, maybe we negotiated our rent factor. Maybe we negotiated our mortgage factor. Maybe we stopped advertising. So are we really better or did we just cut expenses because we had a pandemic that made us? I, I don't know the answer. What, what are your thoughts? Well, we statistically know that we cut payroll dollars. We know yeah. that. We also statistically know that we cut advertising dollars, right? Because you have many, many of our listeners that say, why am I going to advertise for units that I don't have in stock? So yeah. if I turn down the dial on some of those numbers that we're throwing significant cash at every single year, then it stands that the other number would go up. And I think it's honestly, Tony, I think it's exactly what you're stating because um, because we know that the line items per ticket, the P&A per RO, the dollars per transaction, outside of margins that were raised considerably in those two departments, the other metrics were not up, which is why we did the podcast on those. We're not overperforming the first department. We're not overperforming in pro shops or service departments. And again, you can tell me it's a staffing issue or it's an inventory issue and all of the above. But I think it is. We took down some of those expenses, which make that number as a percentage look higher than it was. There's another point I want to make to that is our parts and accessories number for the most part, year over year, it went up slightly, but for the most part, we're flat. Yep. Service departments caught some air under their wings and they did go up. But to the point, dude, it's because we had exponential growth in unit sales that had to go through the service department. Right. right. And also we had a bunch of people that hadn't been boating, motorcycling, dirt biking, razoring, taking their Harley out that decided, well, I got to stay home. I can't go to work. I may as well ride my motorcycle, but I'm going to go into the service department, make sure I, I knock the dust off it, get a get an sure. XK service. So I, I, again, skeptical me. I'm, I'm just thinking that we reaped a lot of benefit that we didn't proactively go out and become good salespeople. It's more like we were still reactive. I could be wrong. I think you're right. And I think, uh, you know, you look at the automotive model, which I don't like to look at very often because it's a need-based industry, but um, they do such a good job in the service department and typically such a poor job in the unit sales department, but they're very good at the white glove service on the, on the, on the service side of the fence. And I just wonder if we would have reaped those same rewards that you're referring to and dialed it up as far as the experience created in the service department, what would that look like for absorption numbers? And that's some of our dealers to the point that are 90, 100 and 110% absorption. So um, Tony, give us a little bit of a visual. So if I, if I'm a, I'm a visual guy, a picture guy, and I can't understand numbers. Hit me with some kind of a visual to help me understand absorption and kind of how that flows to the bottom line. Yeah, sure. So every month at the first of the month, you have an empty bathtub. 
Okay, so everybody can visualize that. Put the plug in, slowly start pouring water in with a cup. Uh, that water in a cup comes in the form of gross dollars that you're pouring into your bathtub, right? And then um, you're going to talk to us about certain times in the month when the bathtub starts getting more full, but that bathtub continues to fill, continues to fill as I pour water into it in the form of dollars until it crests over the top and we start pouring water into it and it starts flowing over the top onto the floor in the form of profit, what you can actually go and put in the bank after you pay all your bills and whatnot. So you got to look at that bathtub filling up as uh, money coming in and also having to pay the tax man, having to pay the mortgage, all that kind of stuff. It reaches a point at a specific time in the month, which you're going to talk to when it starts to pour over. And that is, man, that's that's the cream. That's where we start actually getting to take money in the form of deposits into banks. So since I've said that, I want you to give me a statistical analysis on what that looks like on a calendar. Sure. Let, let me let me give you my awesome statistical analysis on your bathtub, and then I'm going to give you the calendar answer. Okay. Uh, what Tony's referring to is gross is net. At some point during the month, gross dollars become net dollars. And if you think about taking a bath, if anybody's ever taken a bath, you turn the bathtub on, you start filling it up, it takes whatever. Call it 10 minutes to fill the bathtub. Well, at, at 10 minutes and one second, what happens? Well, it's all over the floor. Well, how much is over the floor? One second worth of whatever the volume coming out of the pipe was. Yeah. So at 11 minutes, you got one minute of volume of whatever was coming out in the pipe, which means every single droplet that comes in the tub is now on the bottom line. So I, I like that visual because you sit here and you think about how much could be on the bottom line if that tub were filled up sooner. So on that note of filling that tub of expenses, or right, you could, t- you could take it as gross profit covering the expenses, mm-hmm. however you want to look at that. Let's talk about a concept called the 25th day. Yeah, 25th day, because in the retail world, pre-COVID, day 25 out of 30 was typically the day that most people paid their expenses. And then what what was remaining came in as profit. So if you just stay with me and maybe you're on maybe you get there on day 22, Mr. Dealer, and maybe you get there on day 29, whatever happens to be. I want you guys out there to think about what he just said. (laughs) Ah. The 25th day of the month. You have paid off everything that you owe to everybody and pick it back up. Yeah. Because if you think about that, what if your number is you you hit profitability on the 32nd day? <laughs> That's gross <laughs> That's as us. net in reverse. <laughs> <That's us>. <laughs> <laughs> that is gross as net in reverse, right? Because it does work yeah. in reverse. If it takes you 31 days to fill the bathtub and there are only 30 in a month, you have a problem. Most people can get there on the 24th, 25th, 26th day. Therefore, if you're open 30 days in a month, you have whatever that is, four or five days of dollars that are overflowing in Tony's bathtub example. Yeah. All right. So those dollars are overflowing. So you sit there and you're like, okay, let's put math to this. If it's we're open 30 days in a month and we pay off all the expenses and we turn profit on the 25th day, right? Or through the 25th day. So we start on the 26th. You've got five days of profitability, right? 30 minus 25 is five. You got five days of profit that every gross dollar becomes a net dollar into the store. Cool. What if you got there on day 24 instead? Well, now I'm one day sooner. One is 20% of the five that you did have. So what does it look like to put 20% more profit to the bottom line for that month? We're going to talk about how you get there, but I want you to conceptualize this first. If you're lazy if you don't have people paid off of their performance, note that I didn't say commission. I said their performance because there are a lot of ways to skin that cat. You, you may be getting there on day 26 or day 27. And at the point where that 
bathtub example with how much water is on the bottom of the floor, when that's cut in half, think about how much more exponential work, how many more days in the year you have to work just to cover what we could have done had we hit it on 25 or even day 24. Absorption is a key measurement that helps us fill that bathtub up sooner in the month so that we can have exponentially, hear that, exponentially more gross profit to the bottom line at the end of the month. It's funny when I try and explain this concept to, you know, front end workers or department managers and, you know, you're talking 25th and or I say sometimes it happens the 26th, God forbid the 27th, sometimes the 24th and sometimes the 23rd. When you're talking about departments that can kick off eight, nine hundred thousand dollars, a million, one point two million dollars mm. and you start talking about 20 percent more. Uh, you're talking big numbers to the bottom line. So sure, th- so, this is a force multiplier when we talk about this. Well, here, here's I always try to put it in terms of the person listening. So if I'm talking to frontline staff, the question is, are you cool with 20% more in your paycheck this month? Okay. <laughs> All right. So how do you get there, right? Well, we can spend more or we can spend less or make more. And then we're going to talk about how much more to get one day sooner or how much less in expense control to get one day sooner. But for the most part, you sit there and you talk to a general manager of, do you think we could find X amount of gross profit percentage? Can we hold margin just a little bit better? And usually the answer is, sure, well, I can do that. Cool. Can we trim just a few expenses here and there? Yeah, I could do that. Cool. Now you're on the 24th and there's 20%, 20% more profit mm-hmm. to the store. So get the concept, get the visual, and now you understand why absorption is so important and why we talk about it. Unfortunately, it's so nebulous and so few of our dealers really focus on it, but particularly this year, it's become a key driver. Yeah, so we've given you definitions. We've given you the national norms. You know, we 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 want to see it seventy. The country, for the most part, is in the mid sixties. We'd love for you to get a hundred percent over. And we gave you days of the week. Now let's dive in, Sam, to um, the departments within every dealership that we're talking about. So we're going to hit on metric. We're going to hit on Harley, and we're going to hit on Marine. Now, these are what the departments make in your dealership. Okay by a percentage of net profit from the department. We call that contribution in our composite. Some people call it department net. Some just, uh, there's a million ways you could phrase this. What this is, Sam, is it's it's the gross minus the cost of goods sold, okay? So yep. obviously, if you pay $100 for something and you sell it for two, you have 100 there. After $100, then you got to pay your personnel, advertising, other direct costs, and, and so on and so forth, right? And then you get to a net number of what the department contributes to the dealership for that, for that month or that year. Okay? So I want everybody to understand that. So for metric, the combined... Tony, let me, let me, let yeah, me add ahead. one bolt on to that. Yeah, go. What that number, what the numbers Tony's about to give you, what they do not include are things like rent, facility expenses insurance costs along those lines. We're looking at direct costs to the department. Yeah. 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 Okay, because those clarify. are the fixed costs. Those are the administrative costs that we're talking about when we talk about absorption. So remember when the department kicks those numbers off, it's tithing, contributing, giving their net profit to the dealership. And then again, we got to go through that exercise, Sam, of the dealership then has to pay for the lights and the mortgage and the insurance and the taxes. That's that EBITDA number that we discussed, sure. right? So that that's what happens there, gang. This is just pure net from the department. So let's talk about the metric dealerships first. Metric dealerships combined contributions, combined net profits is $1,292,221. Okay. So essentially $1.3 million 
through June. So that's for six months, Sam. Okay. Yeah. So interesting how this divides out too. I know this is crazy, right? So, and I want everybody to follow me here. So the sales department gives the dealership 74% of that number. In the metric world, at 1.3 million, the sales department gives them almost three quarters of it. Okay. The parts and accessories departments, parts, garments, and accessories in the metric world is all combined, gives 14% of that. And the service department, Sam, gives 11% of that to total up to 100% of our contribution or net to the dealership. Okay. Make sense? Makes total sense. So the sales department's responsible for or based on the result, 74% of the total dollars in that department, right? So if you've heard the phrase, the money's in the metal, not middle, metal, that is where that's coming from. And what's interesting is how close Harley mirrors that. So we'll give you Harley, Tony, and then you can give Marine. Harley department, sales department, major unit sales, 73%. So give metric- them the number. Now, give them the, fur- give them the full profit, oh, yeah. that number. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just shy of $2 million. So $1.991, $1,991,000 of contribution. So the sales department, what's left, the department net throwing towards the total dollars coming into the store, they contributed $1,991,000, of which 73% of that number came from the sales department. Um, 15% came from PG&A which 14% of the metric came from PG&A. You start thinking about Harley's got a bit more P uh, accessories, primarily motor clothes to be selling than the metric guys do. And that's in there too, that PG&A, the, that's the motor clothes and parts yep. department combined, that 15, yep. And then service is at 12. So metric 74, 14, 11, Harley 73, 15, 12. Very that interesting. That one shocked me. Yeah. That, I, I don't know why it shocked me. It really shouldn't, I guess, right? But <laughs> it goes again to what you just said, the money's in the metal. Harley dealers, metric dealers are literally the same concept when it comes to net profit, net department profit to the dealership. They're the exact same numbers. That gets a little little sideways here as we go into Marine, though, at least after we get past the unit sales department. Yeah. Now, so so this this one, Sam and I sat here and we debated this one like, wonder why. So so we're going to give you our theory on this. But in the Marine industry, department net, that's the the numbers again, the contribution is one million five hundred fifty-five thousand six hundred eighty-three dollars. So one point, we'll just call it one point six million dollars. It's damn near smack dab in the middle of Harley and Metric. Sits right in the middle for the Metric dealers, or I'm sorry, for Marine. Of that number, sales kicks off seventy-two percent. So again, seventy-two for Marine, seventy-three for Harley, seventy-four for sales. Major unit sales in all these demographics are damn near the same. Where it varies with the Marine industry is. Parts, garments, and accessories, which is your parts department and the pro shop. It includes both of those combined. That 6%, that's, that's a big difference from 15 and 14 of uh, Metric and Harley. Service department kicks off 20% of net contribution to the dealership with Marina being a nebulous number of 1%. I mean, listen, don't take this the wrong way, people. It, it, the number just doesn't matter as far as our national norms. So, Well, hang on, because I shout out to uh, you know Jordan and Adrian at Deep Creek Marine. That's the majority that's of their number. That yeah. is their number. You're welcome right? on that number, right? So, yeah. so Sam and I discussed the, the major difference is that service number is I would love to see our motorcycle dealers kicking off 20% of the net profit uh, from the service department. So that's, that's super cool. And I don't know, you and I had some theories as to why, what are your, what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, just to put a number to this, right? When the service department yeah. in the Harley space is at 12% and the service departments in the Marine space is at 20, that's a difference of eight. 
eight is 66% of 12, right? So imagine the Harley space when you have 66% more of the dollars coming into the apartment. Um, why do I believe that to be the case? Well, I, I think there are some bigger ticket items that go on. You yeah. know, if my boat breaks, like that's a that's a scavenger hunt sometimes to get inside that engine and figure out where it's coming from and what the problem happens to be. I don't know, Tony. I sit here and I compare the service department of the two metric dealerships to that of the marine dealership. And I sit here and I just think as a percentage of sales, when you talk about you can't look at service being a 20 without looking at why is PG&A and Pro Shop at six and the dollar amounts of what gets sold typically in a PG&A and Pro Shop. They're just so many less dollars and less pieces of inventory at lower dollar amounts getting sold in that pro shop or in that parts department, therefore causing a natural rise on the service side of the fence at uh, 20%. So that's what my gut tells me. How about you? I think two things. I think that when you get that boat out of the water and you have a service department tending to it, I think the services are more in-depth and longer. So I, I think you're capturing more money for the work that you do in Marine this is the last thing. I'm, there's a few people out there, I'm sure. So don't don't throw this in my face. But you just don't hear of somebody saying, "Hey, I'm going to go take my boat out of the water, put it in my garage. I'm going to get to work on my boat." You know, in the motorcycle industry, God, today I got to change the oil. I got to do this. Got to do that. In the in the marine industry, I, I got to take my boat in for service. It's, oh, so so to clarify, you're saying some of the motorcycle guys are wrenching on it at their own house, therefore not taking it to the shop. Yeah, very few people are doing that in the boating side of the fence. Yeah, that's just that's just my hypothesis. I, I could be wrong, gang, but that's just what uh, first came to mind. So so now now we have a very rounded picture, Sam, of all the numbers in our composite, where we think the numbers should be, uh, where we think rare air is, where the industry sits right now. Let's start walking people through what those admin expenses of the dealership are, what we consider fixed costs. Now, gang, everybody out there knows this is not a show about a PL. <laughs> This is not a show uh, about a balance sheet. This is not a show about your GL. This is literally, we take pride in our composite as being something that explains behaviors. It's super distilled and we live by the cornerstone of that. But we want to make sure that you know what it is that we're saying that you should cover. Hit them with some of those, Sam, and I'll follow up on the back end of it. Yeah. And, and right before I do, I'm just going to remind you of what those absorption numbers are through June of this year. Metric Industry 62.9, Harley 64.4 and Marine 64.4, right? That means we're covering 64% of what I'm about to fire off at you, these expenses. These expenses include occupancy, right? Which is your building, your utilities, your maintenance, your rent. If you own yeah. the property, you're charging fair market rent to yourself, or at least should be inside the composite. I'll give you one more, Tony. Company insurance, that's obviously your garage keeper's insurance and your health insurance. And, and mm -hmm. if you're sitting there going, why, you know, we distribute this as a percentage of square footage, that's great for PL. This is not a PL. This is a manager's report. So if you're paying your sales department off of the contribution line and you're hitting your sales manager with a percent of the electric bill or the garage keepers or your overinflated rent because you're paying yourself rent, you're going to have a very disinterested sales manager. So we reserve that for the back end page, which is the admin expenses. Hit me with a couple more, Tony. Administrative costs, things like vehicles, policy, office supplies. There's a million things that fall into administrative to keep a business up and running. Light bulbs, you know, yada yada yada. Um, then there's admin pay. You have to pay the back of the house. Um, it's not all glory work up there, just selling motorcycles, shining your shoes, and having really nice looking teeth. Uh, you got 
Well, I guess I'm not suggesting that people in the back of the house have bad teeth, but yeah, um, you better walk that back, dude. Right, exactly. So a- admin pay is is controller, uh, assistants, secretaries, uh, all the administrative uh, pay that goes in there, and then hit us, route us out with the last two, Sam. Yeah, and advertising would be non departmental advertising, right? We call it other advertising. So anything not assigned to a specific department. Uh, you have some dealers that assign all of the advertising to the major unit sales department because they think ultimately that's our goal is to sell a major unit. Some actually have parts. You know, if you're going to advertise for a GoPro or a new surfboard or whatever, that would be department specific. And then any other advertising would go in that last bucket. And the last cost would be an other cost, which is meant to be nebulous, right? It's just kind of if I can't assign that cost. Look, if a motorcycle falls off a lift uh, because the service department is wrenching on it and didn't tighten the lift, well, that is a direct cost to the service department. But we're any cost not directly assigned to a department, this would be the catch-all for that category. For, for the GM's owners out there and the department managers, if you are having a hard time understanding what we're talking about, pull out a composite if, you're, if you do our composite uh, input or if you're part of our 20 Club. If you are not, go sign up right now. That was a shameless, awesome plug. That right? was good. No. Yeah. No, if you're not, then really what it is, is I just want you to see that the net profit of the department and then I just take those costs that we just talked about, add up those costs, divide it by the net profit numbers that we talked about, and you're going to get a percentage number. And that is obviously in the industries anywhere from 62 to 65% sitting right now. So we've given you all the numbers of what is entailed in absorption. I was running some quick math in my head here and I was just like, well, hang on. What do all what's all that add up to, right? We got occupancy, company insurance, admin, admin pay, advertising, and other costs. And you're sitting here and like, okay, if I go down the main, if I go down the middle with contribution dollars, right? So let's you said Marine was dead center of the metric and Harley guy sitting at one million, one six, right? Yeah. If, if I look at one six and say that is sixty-four point four percent of the total number, well, the total yeah. number is two million five hundred and thirty-nine thousand dollars. Right. So you sit there and you think about two million five thirty nine. We're getting sixty four percent of that from the departments to we're offsetting sixty four percent of that with our department contribution. Think about what that does if we can get that to seventy four or eighty four with the bathtub example. Tony, think about how much we're going to have to call ServPro like it didn't even happen because we got too much damn gross profit (laughs) spilling out all over the place. (laughs) I like it. So, um. Let's talk about now, man. How do you make the metric move and work for you? Because this is super important. Let's go through the simple uh, ones that everybody talks about when we're in uh, our 20 clubs or peer advisory groups. There's one, there's one way you could make that metric move. You could increase your absorption number by lowering your expenses. So you could lower things such as, you know, you can't lower your mortgage probably unless you, you do something savvy banking wise. You know, shop your company insurance, uh, really look at your pay plans and admin. Um, then you can really start making an effect by things like looking at uniforms and do you really need to buy another company vehicle and, you know, office supplies. Do you need to have that many, this, that, and the other thing, right? There's, there's a lot of ways that you can offset that. And, and in my opinion, Sam, lowering your expenses is what I would call a good solution to moving your absorption number. Give me another one. Yeah, increasing contribution of, of the fixed ops, right? Yeah. So, so how do we get these departments contributing more? How do we get more revenue out of them? This goes back to MSRP, DSRP. It goes to your F&I profitability. 
It goes to lowering some of your costs in some of those departments. Um, so basically, all, all of what Tony just said and what I just said is a very simple way of we could cut some expenses or we could raise our profitability. Right? That's the yeah. simple version. Yeah. So so lowering expenses was a good one for me. Increasing contributions with Sam said of fixed ops. That's a better solution. The best thing that you can do is you can do both. You can lower your expenses, administrative expenses, your administrative costs, and then you can also increase the amount of contribution that your department is providing to the dealership, your 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 uh, department net. And Sam, the way that we do that is that that's the good old holding margins, watching your pay plans, sure. yada you know yada yada yada. Yeah, go. Yeah, I sit, I sit here now, Tony. You and I differ on this because okay. I would say increasing contribution is good and lowering expenses is better. But we both agree on the final solution, which is which one should I do? And the answer is yes, yes, yes both, <laughs> right? So l- let me give you just an example of why I feel that way. Obviously, okay. obviously the answer is both. But let's just talk about. And I've got the national average through June pulled up for the metric dealerships right here in front of me. So for the metric motorcycle dealerships for the month of June, we're talking about eleven point nine percent operating P and L. Right, which hell yeah, I love that. I love that for our metric guys. We're talking about the average guys sitting at eleven point nine right now. Now that's for the month, for the year sitting at ten five. But let's just go for the month at eleven point nine. So you sit there and you're like, okay, how can I put more profitability to the bottom line? Right? Okay. Um, well, I can either increase dollars coming in or I can decrease expenses going out. And I look at, okay, what is my multiplier? Now, we just ran the general managers through this exercise two weeks ago in our general management class, Tony. Yeah. And we came up with what I've, I've, I always call it the uh, profitability multiplier. What does it mean? It means I'm going to take that 11.9% operating P&L, profitability, right? So EBITDA, I'm, I'm sitting at 11.9, which means for every 100 bucks that I bring in, I'm left with $11.90 before paying Uncle Sam. That's what that means. So you sit there and you say, okay, what is 100 divided by 11.9? And the answer is 8.4. 8.4. What does that mean? That means for me, I need to take whatever expense number I want to have and multiply it by 8.4. So if I want to spend $10 on a coffee maker, then I need $84, 10 times 8.4, right? I need 84 inbound incremental dollars to pay for that $10 coffee maker. If I'm sitting at 11.9%, you follow me on a math there, Tony? I do. And and I want to give the why behind that gang is because anything that you bring into a business has personal costs attached to it, has lawyers fees, it has healthcare attached to it. There's nothing simple about bringing in a dollar into a dealership. It always is attached with a cost of doing business. So what? yeah. Well, the cost of doing business, I'm just looking at the profitability of the store. This is yeah, a yeah. simple math that says that 11.9% operating gross profit. That means your multiplier is 8.9%. So if I want 15 grand for fill in the blank uh, yep. uh, to carry a new helmet line in the accessories department, uh, there's two ways I can come up with that. I can either find $15,000, right, it, which would go in as an expense, or I could generate, okay, well, what's $15,000 times my multiplier of 8.4? And the answer is, hear this, gang, $126,000 of inbound incremental sales on top of what we're already selling. I can either pay for that line of helmets at $15,000 with 126 grand in sales, or I can pay, or I can, I can shell out 15 bucks. And so you sit there and you're like, well, well which is easier, saving $1 or making 8.4, my multiplier? Yeah, I'm going to give you one of these. For that, I'm going to give you one of these. 
<laughs> I love that we have sound effects that I still don't know how to use on this thing. It's kind of so, like my so that, that exhaust is, fluid. I still yeah, that, that is that that's incredible when you put it to to anybody that way, right? And and so that's awesome that we did that exercise. And then what I typically do in in a composite review, or when I talk to these owners or GMs, and, and I know you do this as as well, which is we're not still we're not debating about whether lowering expenses or increasing contribution, but all you got to do is look at where you're sitting with your margin and then go look at the benchmark, take that percentage. You can reverse engineer how much money you leave on the tail uh, or on the table by meeting somebody halfway, sure. meeting all your deals halfway, a uh, hundred here, 500 there taken off. That money stacks up at the end. And that is why the answer to the question is six C, which is do both. And you will start to jump off the page, right? Well, Tony, let me let me let me leave you here with where we started. Yeah. We talked about absorption and why it's important and the definition of it. And we talked about kind of where we are with inventory coming from manufacturers. And we were tracking absorption because if we didn't get inventory, how long can we stay alive? How long can we stay profitable? And it's not that we're not getting inventory, but we're sure got you're, we're sure getting a whole lot less of it than we want. And we're getting it at timings, uh, different times of the year that we weren't expecting to have it. So is the answer to count on no inventory and focus on your absorption by increasing the profitability in the uh, in the departments and lowering expenses? Or are, can we count on the profitability of the unit sales department because we expect more inventory from the OEMs? And my hope, and yours as well, is yes. Just the same thing, right? My hope is that we do both. That we, we bank on the fact that the OEMs are going to get it figured out. We're going to start getting more inventory as we go through the next year or two. And at the same time, you start focusing on where you can trim expenses and where you can get a point or two of margin by Tony's uh, comment of meet me halfway. I want to end on, on one thing that has stuck with me. I, I went and did three days of in dealership training two weeks ago. And by the third day, I told the guy, uh, the, the operations manager, I am sick of saying the word format <laughs> sick of it. I'm sick and tired of saying the word because it's almost as if it's losing its value people. So I don't care what you call it, but when I was going through doing some training with F and I doing some training in service, I did some training with the parts departments. I am finding an epidemic Sam of order taking still to this day. Um, you know, we did, we did some role plays in the service department, some calls, you know, calls on the phone and also check-ins and then that follow-up call that they're supposed to do really well. And I just can't tell you how many times I came in just like with, with a, a ground ball that they should have easily been able to field of an oil change. There was no, Oh, this is a great bike. Where do you ride? Oh, who rides with you? What kind of trips have you taken? Oh, man, what do you do for a living? Like, there is just no interaction. And I know a lot of you are out there right now listening to this going, oh, well, Tony, when, when we're doing role plays and it's in front of a you know, professional consultant, it's, it's just different. No, I, I don't think it is. That's, that's the easy way to do it. The hard way is when you have a real person in there that you actually have to talk to and you play like you practice, man. And so... I can guarantee you the reason that some of these fixed ops departments are not kicking off the revenue like they should is because they're simply not asking for fricking an oil filter when somebody comes to buy oil. 
they're not asking what kind of motorcycle is for, or, you know, Oh, where's the latest place you took your boat? You know, there's a beauty. Have you seen the new one? They, they're just not doing it. And that's because they have not been made to. And I, like I said, day three, I looked at the guy and I'm like, I'm so sick of saying, got to format people, got to format people. It's, it's ridiculous. And for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, family, occupation, recreation, motivation, animals, and teams format. Well, and, and here's the other piece. It's just not difficult. It's not difficult. It's what you do with anybody that you're actually getting to know. You meet somebody at a dinner party. You meet somebody at the bar. You meet somebody that you're interested in having another conversation with. You're formatting them. You, whether you know you're doing that or not, you're asking enough questions about them personally to show interest so that you can continue that conversation going. So I'm with you. It's exhausting. Tony, I sit here and I talk about, you know, what we've been talking about is about how 90% of these transactions are starting in the digital space. And, and we have gotten to a place at Garage Composites where we're parsing this into three buckets. Now, one is, can you be found in the digital space so that I can open mm -hmm. your digital front door? Two is, can you be cultivated in such a way that three, we can actually make the deal come together and put it together. And I look yeah. at that one in the middle, cultivated. Now, if I walk in your store, I found you, right? But all of a sudden, when you start saying things like, hey, what'd you need? You got everything you need? You find everything all right? All you're doing is trying to button that deal up. And I'm like, where's the cultivation? Where is that? And the last thing is I sit here and I say, yeah, I closed that deal. When somebody says they closed the deal, it just drives me nuts. You open the customer. If you're doing the job right. You open the relationship for all of their future bikes. You didn't close them. Think about that visually. I didn't close that customer and say goodbye to them. Well, you did if it were a transaction. That's all you did was take their money and send them on their way. But if you really want their second, third, fourth, and eighth motorcycle down the line, the format is what allows you to go back to the well and stay in touch with them. You didn't close the sale. You opened the customer. So, yeah, you and yeah. I are getting really tired of format, aren't we? Oh, good God, man. It, it, it drives me nuts. And you know what? You brought up a point is it's easy to do. You're 100% correct. Here's the other thing I tell everybody. When you go out of your motorcycle dealership job that you have and you go to your thing, whatever it is, golf store, wh whatever store you go to, you know what you love? is for somebody to ask you, hey, where's the last place you played around a round of golf? What kind of clubs do you do you use? Have you played over here before? Do you and your wife play? Uh, have you tried these? Have you seen the new shoes that they have? You love the same damn thing. That's what you think is a good experience. You'd be super unhappy if it was just like, okay, let me ring you up for some golf balls here. <laughs> have a good one. See you later, right? There's so much opportunity for everything else that comes with golf balls. It drives me nuts. Well, I was driving that adventure van home and I was going through the middle of nowhere, Nevada, and I stopped at a truck stop and that guy was all over himself about the van. And by the end of it all, he knew that I had a wife and a kid and we're going to take it up on top of the Grand Mesa. He knew that I was looking at a company called Jumpin' Jack Trailers that has the ability to pull some ATVs and then a pop-out tent comes out of the trailer as well. He was asking me a million questions and that's what two people who are interested in a conversation are doing with each other. So it's not hard. And to your point, Tony, it happens all the time. All of that leads to higher absorption, quite frankly. Absorption, people. Know it. Live it. Own it. Make it your life. This has been episode number 80 of GarageCast. Guys, I hope you guys have a fantastic Tuesday for Sam Dantzler. I'm Tony Gonzalez. Have a great day. Take care, everyone.